This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, July 27th, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. Civil asset forfeiture often requires little more than a police officer's suspicion that property has been used in or are the proceeds of a crime. Then it's up to property owners to prove somehow that their property was not involved. Representative Tim Wahlberg of Michigan says he would like to change that. We spoke last week. How did you come to see civil asset forfeiture, not to be confused with criminal asset forfeiture, as a problem in the United States? Well, we began hearing more reports coming from organizations like Heritage and others, uh, and then some newspapers doing some uh, investigative reporting on what was going on. Uh, it began to hit the, hit the headlines. In Michigan, the Daco case of a grocer that had uh, his assets uh, virtually stolen from him uh, simply because he was doing what the insurance company required of him to do and that they wouldn't insure anything beyond $10,000 of receipts in, in his store. Uh, he's taking it each day uh, to the bank and all of a sudden there he is stopped, uh, has $35,000 of assets frozen and spends the next better part of a year trying to get it back, never being charged with anything illegal. Uh, his, uh, his assets were charged with potential of money laundering illegalities, found out that that wasn't the case. So as we began looking into it um, last year, um, we were encouraged to to put a marker down and a bill that would uh, move that direction of saying, we don't see a problem with having a tool that law enforcement can use uh, to get at um, drug running, money laundering that goes with it. But let's do it the legal way, make sure that people are considered innocent until proven guilty and don't use a loophole that says your assets are guilty uh, and, uh, oh, by the way, we're going to seize them from you. And then, oh, by the way, uh, law enforcement agencies, uh, here's an incentive. If you get that, you can use it for purchase of uh, a Dodge Viper for PR purposes, marketing in your community, or buying uh, uh, baseball uniforms for your FOP team or whatever else. And that just doesn't seem uh, the incentive we want to encourage if indeed we want to put more trust in government and our law enforcement, et cetera, and work together. State governments have tried to, uh, in some cases, end civil asset forfeiture by telling local police agencies, all the money you seize, that's going to go into the general fund. And now uh, your incentive to, as the Institute for Justice calls it, police for profit will go away. But there is a federal program known as equitable sharing that continues to this day. Uh, Eric Holder has eliminated a portion of, of equitable sharing, but it continues and it allows uh, local police agencies to effectively circumvent their state's laws in some right. cases. And that's what this bill will do as well. It does away with equitable sharing. Uh, states then can do what they want on, on civil asset forfeiture. Hopefully they'll follow like Michigan right now has uh, at least uh, two bills that are, that are wending their way through to end civil asset forfeiture. But this indeed, as you say, would take that incentive of working together with a federal law enforcement agency who will take uh, the minor portion of the take, but the local, the local law enforcement agency will get the major portion. Um, it's certainly an incentive uh, to, uh, to police for financial reasons, and uh, that, that's that's not what we want to do in context with our citizenry, but I think also and especially in context with our civil rights. Your proposal would raise the evidentiary standard for seizure from, 
we've got some evidence that a this preponderance might be the case. of evidence to uh, clear and convincing, the same as it would be for criminal asset forfeiture, um, uh, and thus also that that we would charge the person with a crime first before we seize those assets. Um, if the person is a criminal, if they're found to be uh, running on the wrong side of the law, I don't think many people have problem with their assets being seized and, and taken and used for appropriate purposes. Um, but when it's done uh, for less than appropriate purposes and takes away that trust factor and gives incentive for monetary benefit to the police department, um, humans are humans. and. Uh, as our framers indicated that if we were all angels, we wouldn't need government. But we aren't. But if we put also uh, non-angels in government and they have incentives, uh, perverse incentives for financial gain at, uh, at uh, law-abiding citizens, at least until cl uh, concluded that they aren't at their risk, uh, that's a problem. Police agencies defend uh, their use of civil asset forfeiture saying essentially we do good things with this money. We buy equipment that is necessary to go out and fight uh, fight crime, real crime. And uh, well, how do you respond to that? I respond, let's, let's find a better way. And I think the better way would be let's make sure our, our communities, our cities, our townships, our counties, and our state governments uh, pay their law enforcement agencies uh, the due that they need, uh, take care of their, uh, their financial concerns. Uh, if it's uniform, if, if, it's, if it's police cars, if it's marketing tools, whatever, uh, community development issues, fine. But let's do it through the normal course of putting it in a budget for that particular municipality or governmental system and take care of our people. Thus, we say to the general public, there is no concern that uh, your law enforcement agencies are developing into a third world country setting where bribery, uh, fraud, um, paybacks, kickbacks are all part of the process and you can't trust your police officer. We got to be able to trust our police here. A lot of police agencies uh, and prosecutors will defend uh, civil asset forfeiture saying, well, my office doesn't abuse the program, but isn't the program ab the abuse itself? And I would say I applaud you for not abusing it but there are others that do. And so you'll do fine. If you're doing the work that you need to, be, need to do, uh, then we ought to find a way that you are, um, you are paid for and your costs are taken care of and appropriate functions are cared for by the taxpayer that's having the benefit of a law enforcement agency that they have no concerns about having any other incentive other than to do the right thing in protecting and, 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 and serving uh, their constituency. I know your proposal has made it harder or would would make it harder for uh, agencies to seize assets. But do you believe ultimately that civil asset forfeiture as an institution should go away? No, I wouldn't say that. I think there is a place for it. Uh, but it, it, I, I think if you put uh, correct restrictions on it and that it can only be used as the tool it can be to get at someone who's breaking the law. Um, I think it could be a useful tool. But isn't a conviction how we determine if people Absolutely. are breaking the law? Absolutely. But then, then, we take, then we take under civil asset forfeiture or criminal asset forfeiture, we take those assets away, but only after they are convicted, whether it's at the civil level or whether it's at the criminal level. Um, that can be a good thing. 
Tim Wahlberg is a Republican U.S. representative from Michigan. You can learn more about the scourge of civil asset forfeiture at our website, Cato.org.